Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Hello, and thank you once again for joining us on this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Happy days whenever you listen to this podcast. Of course, I know that people listen to it when they're out running, when they're doing their various things that they do in their lives. We are delighted that you can join us and almost a veteran now I feel like calling her a veteran of the podcast is joining me for this week's podcast to be my partner in crime Emily Onis M. how you doing you're right I'm really good thank you Chris and I'm glad you clarified veteran of the podcast veteran <laughs> of the podcast not anything in life else? <laughs> you are younger than me so if you are a veteran in real life then what does that make me and that's why that is a I will good not spin call you, I will not call <laughs> you such a thing Emily and Miss Hughes indeed yes I'm just going to put Indeed. that one out there because she got married since the last I time I was on. You Actually, you probably didn't get married since the last time you were on the podcast. Mm. You've done a few, but this is the first time I'm recognising it. Yes, yes. Long overdue that I update things from five months ago. Yes. <laughs> Husband Tom will be delighted that now officially on the HR on the Offensive podcast, we are recognising that you are Emma Leonis Hughes. <laughs> we are talking employee experience today, aren't we, Ems? We are indeed. Yes. And we are talking a passion of yours, which is, we're going to go into a bit more detail, employee experience, customer experience, that sort of stuff. But to get really into the detail of this, we wanted to get somebody in who is an expert. And so we are bringing in Kevin Campbell, who works for Qualtrics. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, he's doing well. Kevin is in the States and in the UK as we are recording. It is the afternoon. Poor Kevin, we got him up very early in the morning. He's just showed us his fantastic protein shake. Yeah, that's right. There are no secrets on the HR and the Offensive podcast, Kevin. Um, <laughs> we are hoping that he is wide awake. He looks absolutely wide awake. He looks like he's got a mug of coffee as well. But we're going to talk employee experience. So Kevin, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I think we should start with that as to why they're saying, well, why have they got this Kevin Campbell from Qualtrics on to talk about employee experience and your background? And then also let's talk a little bit about Qualtrics as well for those people who don't know who Qualtrics are. Sure. So my background is as an organizational psychologist. And I actually studied positive psychology in addition to organizational psychology under the co-founder of the field of positive psychology, Hungarian-born psychologist with a very hard-to-pronounce name, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. If anybody is familiar with the concept of the mental state of flow, he's the one that discovered that and coined the term. So prior to going to graduate school, I actually worked in HR as a headhunter for Google. So I was recruiting the top software engineers from all around the world to work for, at the time, and in still many lists, the best place to work according to many of the workplace lists, but I saw a high degree of variance in terms of how engaged people really were with their work. And I was interested in the study of happiness, especially happiness at work. And I wanted to understand what is it that makes people truly happy? Because here I am 
working at the best place to work, but there are still some people that are not walking around in a state of perpetual bliss. So what is it that actually makes people engaged in their jobs if it's not foosball, tables, and free food, and on-site haircuts? So I went to graduate school to help answer this question, and I've had a, a it's been a great ride since then. I worked for the Gallup organization as a workplace consultant, did human capital consulting for Deloitte, worked for an Australian-based culture and people platform called Culture Amp, did a short stint as an independent consultant, and now I'm with Qualtrics. And Qualtrics really built and invented the category of what they call experience management. So that could be brand experience, that could be product or user experience. They're the leader in customer experience and also employee experience. So my role at Qualtrics is as an employee experience scientist, and my niche within that role is linking employee experience programs with desired business and customer experience outcomes through things like roadmaps, end user training, consulting on really activating that mindset within an organization and using operational financial data to be able to make this all make sense and drive the importance among business leaders. Because my personal mission is to help people be happier at work, but I believe that the way to best sustain that is to show where that aligns with business interests so that we can create and make a sustainable employee experience that not only improves people's lives at work, but also improves business outcomes. So that's me and and a bit about Qualtrics in a nutshell. Love that. Thank you, Kevin. And and a really nice segue to, I guess, one of the kind of questions that I personally find really interesting, which is, is employee experience linked directly to external customer experience? Because obviously, when you think about employee experience, customers internally are your customers, your employees. But then I do sometimes get asked, so how can we show that correlation between EX internally and CX externally? And I just wonder as a broader question, what your thoughts are on that? And then we can kind of delve down. Yeah. So the short answer to the question is yes, but there's more to it than that. So there are a number of different things that you can do to improve the employee experience. You can be better at recognizing people. You can have a more lively workplace with bright colors and interesting things. You can create better learning and development opportunities. You can pay people better. But the real question is of all the things that you can do to improve the employee experience, which ones also have a positive impact on the customer experience. So the way to be able to build that correlation, first of all, you have to measure both, but you have to measure both in a way that allows you to have that shared experience or shared unit of analysis. So I'll give you a good example and I'll give you a bad example. So a good example is a large European retailer that we've all heard of that we haven't quite landed on the case study disclosure yet. So I'm going to not disclose their name, but very well-known brand. They do a great job of collecting both employee and customer data. Every time a customer goes into a store, they have an opportunity to answer a customer experience survey, several opportunities, point of sale, QR codes, kiosks around the store. And all the questions about that employee experience don't just tie back into the brand, but they ask them about their experience at the store. And with the employees, when they ask their employees about their experience, they ask them specifically about their experience working at that store and working with the managers and leaders at that store. So that when you go to do the correlation, you can say, oh, this is great. We can actually draw a shared experience between these employees and these customers. An example of where we really didn't have a good opportunity to do that is with another company that is also within the 
the Shenzhen area, where anytime a customer complains or has a question, they send them a survey and they don't really know whether or not that person is having an experience tied to a store, online booking, one of their distribution partners. And then the, the survey that goes out to employees also doesn't necessarily align them to a particular location or to a particular set of customers. So there's no way to really join those experiences in a particular way. I have one airline customer that asks customers about their trip. Now, you have to have a lot of connecting flights. Someone like myself, when I'm traveling domestically, <laughs> I don't have just one trip. I have several flights and several airports that I'm going to be in. So when you get that data back, you don't know really whether my experience with that trip is being informed by which flight. And then the same thing with the flight crews. They ask the employees about their overall experience of working for that airline, when really a smarter way of doing it would be to ask employees about their experience on that flight and that flight crew, because it's a different flight crew every time, and asking customers about their experience of that flight and that flight crew, because it's a different flight and a different flight crew every time. So I think the first step is to collect the data in a smart way, where you have that shared experience between employees and customers. And then once you have that, the tools that we have with Qualtrics, and I don't mean for this to be an advertisement or a commercial for Qualtrics, makes it really easy to load the data in one place and run that analysis. Once you have the data coded right and you've collected the data well, doing the analysis is actually the easiest part. And then that's when we can tell you, okay, of all the things that you can do to improve the employee experience for your specific customers and your specific employees in your specific context in your specific organization, what are those two or three things that are not only going to improve the employee experience, things that you probably ought to be doing anyway, that will also have a, a high likelihood of improving the customer experience as well. I love that. And I guess just reflecting on what you've said there, Kevin, it's things such as be specific, think of the specific circumstance. So it's not just specificity in terms of the question, it's also the circumstance that you're, you're looking to measure, make it comparable, also make it something you can measure. And the nirvana in at least some of the conversations that I sort of have with CPOs, HRDs is being able to show to a CEO, a CFO in a business case, well, we've done these initiatives internally, and they have directly impacted customer experience in, in X way. That's kind of the nirvana. And there's really research out there that says there is a direct correlation. Highly engaged workers report 20% higher sales. That's something Gallup did recently. 5% increase in employee engagement can lead to a 3% jump in revenue. It's all circumstantial, but I think for an HR director, that truly is the nirvana to be able to tell that story of that link between EX and CX in a measurable way. So I really like some of those tips that you've given there. We had a Canadian retirement living center and the residents of homes where the manager's of those employees were the best at caring for employee well-being. Their net promoter scores for those locations were nearly double what they were. The top 20% of managers' sites where the managers care for employee well-beings were double the other 80%. So what we're doing with them now is trying to tie in the financial metrics to say, okay, when you have a customer that's a promoter versus someone who's passive or a detractor, how many more people do they refer? How many more customers can they give you? And those are earned customers, right? Those are customers that you don't have to go out and buy through marketing and advertising and sales, in a sense, free because they're coming by virtue of being recommended to you. Can I ask you just a question? I was just listening to what you guys were talking about, and I've just written this down as a thought. So please feel free to dismiss. But what I wrote down is when you're talking about customer services and you're constantly asking for that feedback from customers, the customers kind of expect that constant feedback. When you flip it to employees, and particularly if I'm sitting 
here as a, I'm not a HR person, but if I was sitting there in the HR department, am I worried that, am I going to cheese off employees if I'm constantly asking for this information? I don't know. It's just It's a general thought that I just want to get both of your guys' thoughts on. I love that question. So the short answer is it depends. Survey fatigue is real. So people don't like answering too many surveys. However, most of that can be mitigated or at the root of survey fatigue in most instances is actually lack of action fatigue. So people don't mind answering a survey or giving their feedback when it feels relevant and they believe that the information that they're taking the time to provide will be acted upon, improve their experience. So there are some organizations out there who will make people answer a survey question every day just to log into their computer. And those surveys are universally despised. But if you have a QR code in the bathroom that will alert the janitorial staff that there's a need to fix something and you know it's actually going to result in some somebody coming and fixing something, that's a constant stream of data that people care about. If you have a digital suggestion box on your intranet that goes directly to the CEO and the CEO actually responds to every question in their all hands, that's something that people care about. So yeah, I think the constant nagging with no results is a big problem. But if you make the questions appropriate to the experiences that people have, and even more importantly, you act on them and close the loop, then there's no shortage of willingness to participate in that kind of feedback giving. And that sort of lack of action fatigue, I guess, is potentially one of the barriers to enabling success with employee experience initiatives on an ongoing basis, Kevin. And I wonder if you've got any other thoughts on either what the barriers might be to enabling success of employee experience programs, or if you flip it so it's a slightly more positive lens, what is it that makes designing and delivering a successful employee experience program? Yeah, I wouldn't be a nascent thought leader if I didn't have a set of acronyms and tips and tricks. So I like to use the idea that acting on employee feedback is as easy as ABC123. And forgive me if you're thinking about the Jackson 5 as you hear that, but A stands for action oriented. So that's really beginning with the end in mind, knowing that if you're collecting feedback, whether it be from customers or from employees, that you're collecting this information, you're having people give you their opinion for the purpose of acting on it. If you're not willing to act on it, don't ask the question. It also means that you're putting just as much emphasis into the actioning that goes around data collection as you do collecting the data itself. So how many people are following up on this information? Are you asking actionable questions? If all of your questions are things like, I feel absorbed and engaged at work, great question, but you can't do anything about it once you have that data. You have to know what makes people engaged and absorbed at work. So that's the first piece is action oriented. The second piece is business relevant, right? You had cited some of that Gallup data and, and they're some of the best at being able to draw those business conclusions. So the purpose of those stats in many ways isn't just to say, hey, this is what we found, but in order to help your business leaders, your frontline managers understand that this isn't just like extra HR stuff on top of the quote unquote real work, but this is part of getting the real work done. So oftentimes, those action planning conversations don't even start with the employee data. Start with the conversation around what are our business goals? Let's get really clear on what we want to achieve as an organization. And now let's think about how that data can help inform our business strategy. So that's the business oriented piece, the B. And then the C is conversation. So how can you make this conversational rather than something where managers or leaders or HR go off into a corner and hatch a plan and come back to the team and say, this is what we're going to do to fix everything. No, have that be a collaborative conversation on a team by team basis to say, this is what our data are telling us. What can we collaborate? 
collaboratively create and do in order to improve these outcomes. And then the one, two, three relates to communication. Less is more. So pick one area to focus on, do two things about it, and then communicate and follow up on what you've done three times through three different channels. Because a lot of times leaders, HR, folks in general are following up on feedback but they don't close the loop in the feedback giver's mind. So you really have to make it explicit of we heard X, therefore we did Y. And make sure that that's not just through an email that goes out to everyone or something that's mentioned in all hands. Think about where people are and where you can reach people and how you can get this information back to them, but through as many channels as possible, but at least three and at least three different times. Yeah, that's fascinating. And actually, from our perspective at Lace Partners, when we talk about any kind of thoughts that we've got as a business or any kind of discussion points, even this podcast. So we will release this podcast as an audio medium. But actually what we do is we take some of the key topics of it and we release it as a blog as well. And the reason we do that, sorry, I'm going into full marketing mode here. The reason we do that is because people digest information in different ways and at different times. It always makes me laugh. Like I'm on social media quite a lot. And when my teams previously, before I worked at Lace, would produce a piece of content and we push it out, it'd be like, we push it on LinkedIn, push it out on social media, and then we're done. And it's like, yeah, but what happens if that person that would have found that really interesting didn't log in that day? They'll completely have missed all of that information. And it's the same thing that we're talking about here. It's people aren't always able to access that information all of the time. So you need to reinforce it. Like you said, that feedback, that consistent feedback. I mean, there comes a point where you can only say the same thing so many times before you then get to the point of, okay, guys, we've said this 26 (laughs) times and we've sent seven emails. But it's about being able to say, look, there's enough communication, not too much. It's a balance really, isn't it? Yeah, I had a a learning and development leader say this one time, and I think it's true for marketing as well. If we could say something one time and people would remember it, we'd all be out of a job. (laughs) That is true. I just wanted to ask a question, and this is something that's at top of my mind at the moment, because funnily enough, again, slight plug. So apologies, listener, if you're thinking, oh, a bit of a plug here, but we've been recently asked to comment. In fact, Emma has recently been asked to comment about monitoring of employees. And it's one of the things that we've talked about. It's like not from a big brother is monitoring you perspective, but the actual value that it brings. So I just wanted to ask and just get both of your thoughts, actually. But we'll start with Kevin because he's the guest about your thoughts around getting better and the positives around. Let's not focus on the big brother. Oh, my God, they're monitoring every single thing I'm saying or doing or the feedback that I'm giving. But your thoughts about how you think getting better people data and analytics and have a big impact in terms of monitoring people and their experience and how businesses can use that, not from a big brother perspective. And I guess the question I'm really getting here is communication and showing that transparency. Yeah, so I'm going to just define or maybe change to some degree what you mean by monitoring. And there are a lot of ethical concerns with regard to that, that we talk about at Qualtrics all the time. We really want to be smart about not crossing into that big brother territory. That being said, what we found, what the research has found is that people actually want you to be able to connect their feedback back to demographic characteristics in order to be able to pinpoint where action needs to be taken, but they don't wanna be necessarily fully attributed. So I think there's this comfortable ground between full anonymity, which 
sounds nice on the surface, but it's not actionable. And I think diversity data is a great example of this. If 80% of your employees think that you're doing a great job of diversity, but 80% of your employees are white males, you don't yep. really know if you're doing a yep. job of diversity, right? So you have to know those differences within groups. And then you have fully attributed, which can be really tricky because you want people to be as candid as possible. So what people really want is they want their information to be kept confidential and aggregated and reported at a high level. And when you talk about monitoring, the first thing that comes to mind for me is thinking about the entire employee lifecycle and the insight and the value that can be stitched together when you tie in different points along that employee journey together. So not just saying, how's the onboarding experience and how engaged are our employees, but saying what early onboarding experiences can predict how engaged employees are going to be a year later, two years later, how much well-being they're going to have a year later, two years later, how much of a sense of belonging they're going to have a year later into the role. And then what elements of employee engagement are going to predict who exits and who not only exits, but who exit as a brand ambassador, still willing to recommend your organization as a place to do business with or a place to work. But you can only really gain these insights when you're looking and monitoring perhaps across the employee journey in that way. And you can't do that in a fully anonymized way. You have to know where the data is coming from, but that doesn't mean that you have to specifically say, okay, here's what Chris likes. Here's what Emma likes. You can know, Hey, people from this department in general, our employees feel this way. And in many ways, that's even more effective than singling specific individuals out. Yeah. And, and so you talked about engagement there. I think engagement does link to experience. If you're engaged, then hopefully that's maybe because you're having a good experience or if you're not engaged, maybe it's the flip side of that. I know, Chris, you and I were talking about this the other day because you asked me sort of my view and even something as simple as teams, particularly in a hybrid world now where you've got disparate teams all over the place, some people just like to do their own thing, others will be on calls all the time. Actually, that data there is available. You get pop-up reports every week that say, here's who your top collaborators are. But actually, if kind of team leads and more broadly maybe functional leads looked at that, you might find the odd individual who perhaps actually they haven't been as connected. I wonder why that is. Because it can be anonymized, but you can kind of see it within subteams. Back to your point, Kevin, around, you know, you do need some anonymity there. But there's so much data. I just think we're at that tipping point of understanding how to harness it in the best way to make the right decisions and having the right capabilities in our teams, HR teams in particular, to do that and then correlate it with customer data or financial data or whatever that might look like. My theory around this is that we're going to be able to break through when we start helping people use their own data more effectively. Like I have a colleague that's really good at using Google Calendar and he color codes everything. Week by week, he can tell what percentage of his time is being allocated towards what tasks versus another task. I love my Apple Watch. I use it to track my calories, my exercise, my standing, right? So the more that we can empower individuals to use their own data, the more comfort they're going to have at least my theory is, I don't know if this is going to bear out to be true, but I think we should start to at least start to enable people to be able to make more sense of their own information. Because so much of what we do now is just based on hunches and theories, even with our own experience. If we can go back and say, actually, I'm happier when I talk to Chris. Maybe I should spend more time talking to Chris. Or, hey, I... Nobody's I, I, happier when that happens, Mike. <laughs> 
that's not a thing. <laughs> this is a topic. Do you know what? I've just realized we're hitting the 30 minutes and I have a confession to make. I have about seven or eight questions which we haven't answered. So we're going to have to do a part two on this. And is there any other final sort of questions that you wanted to ask Kevin before we wrap up? Because I'm conscious of time and Kevin probably needs to go and have his second cup of coffee given that it's early there in the States. It's not a question per se. I guess it's just a reflection and it builds on one of our questions we were going to ask and explore. Customer experience is all about knowing how the other individual feels on the end of that experience. So when I talk to you, Kevin, it might be that you're on the end of the phone, you've got a question about your mortgage or something like that. It's showing that empathy, which I guess is as important in an internal context. And it's something that we talk a little bit around in the sense of keeping HR human versus digitizing to the nth degree. So that for me is just an interesting reflection and maybe another topic that we can kind of cover in a separate piece. But I don't know whether you've got any one or two quick tips on that. I had a conversation with a colleague about this recently, and we were thinking about building a particular series of articles or work around the age of empathy. And her thought was, is it really empathy or is it empathy plus action? And I think that's an important thing for us to think about. Is it enough to feel what others are feeling? But how can we inspire and enable and equip ourselves to not only feel what people are feeling, but be able to act on that empathy? Because empathy without the ability to do something about it can be a really, really disempowering and challenging experience. So yes, empathy, absolutely. And what are those other yeah. components that we need to have? Yeah. And I guess how we create the right behaviors and mindsets and cultural DNA around that within teams to think like that and take action, to your point. One for yeah. another time, Chris. A, really <laughs> oh, I mean, a nice way to kind of end, I guess, with a bit of reflection. A bit of reflection, certainly. And as we just said, I think we're going to need to just get him back. I think we're just going to have to get him back and do a part two and drag him out. Maybe we'll make it even earlier in the morning. We'll do it half past three UK time and do it half past seven in there. He won't. No, I wouldn't do that. I'm not that mean. But Kevin, it has been absolutely amazing to get you on today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And Ems, as always, great to have you on. Thank you, Chris. On behalf of Emma and I both, thank you very much for listening to this latest episode of HR on the Offensive podcast. And hopefully we will see you next time. Bye-bye.